good people, what it is. No more buys, only hellos. We are taking no more weeks off for the rest of the season. As your favorite Bears podcast has returned, this is the Bear Necessities podcast. And the voice you're hearing right now is Kyle Means, editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com and War Media, The Empire, striking back once again. And on the line with me, as always, for Bear Necessities is the one and only Ryan Bukovetsky, our main beat writer for the Bears and our NFL guy, uh, you know, just supreme. NFL guy supreme uh, definitely brings it every week with me on these podcasts, the bare necessities, as well as all 32, which uh, you definitely can't forget about uh, the most recent all 32 is available now on war on anchor, all of our great platforms, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, I mean, just about anyone you can name uh we're on there uh so check us out if you if if this is your first time listening to us and uh if it's not your first time you know uh spread the word let people know that uh we are com has some good content for all of y'all especially regarding uh the bears and the nfl uh we go keep bringing it every week and like i said before no more weeks off we gave y'all a little bit of time to chill, uh, gave ourselves some time to chill, more importantly, given that the Bears were off last week. But uh, now uh, the Bears are back to work, and so are we. And uh, this week, a pretty important game coming off the bye, hosting the 5-1 uh, and one New Orleans Saints, a, a team that has solidified itself as a contender so far in the NFC, something that the Bears are still – in the process of trying to do, and this game will certainly go a long way in doing so, uh, or maybe putting the Bears back in the pack and uh, labeling them as more of a pre- pretender instead of a contender. So, uh, you know, stakes are high this week on this one, and uh, things going to make for an interesting, entertaining matchup. But uh, speaking of interesting and entertaining, let's bring in Ryan. Uh, Ryan, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, uh, hope you hope you're doing good, man. And uh, you know, why don't you give us your your opening thoughts on uh, this week with the Bears and this uh, all important matchup that looks to be against New Orleans? Yeah, Kyle, great to talk to you, and uh, excited for this this week for sure with the Bears. It's a big Bears week. I think we kind of knew that at the end of last. Uh, uh, weekend definitely by the end of Monday when the Packers arrow uh, narrowly edged out the Lions, uh, the division is going to be strong. We saw there's a lot of strong NFC teams, and even some of the weaker NFC teams are just a game back of the Bears or right on the Bears' heels in terms of record. So uh, it's all about putting yourself into a great position so you don't uh, have to dig yourself out of a hole later on. And that's exactly what this game is for the Bears. They've got to find a way to win this game at home. It'd be one thing if they're on the road, but being at home against the Saints team that's uh, coming in a little banged up, you got to try to find a way to win this game and get back into the divisional race. 
Yeah, and when you talk about the Saints and injuries, of course, the main story that everyone talks about is Drew Brees, the long franchise quarterback. You know, he's been out for weeks now, and the team has only defined itself really in in the face of that absence with its backup quarterback, uh, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater. You know, they've been they've been more impressive at times than others. You know, last week they pretty much eked out a win over uh, Jacksonville. But I guess in in the fact that they played a closer game than you may have thought against Jacksonville, you once again did see that New Orleans defense has come uh, ready to play. And that's probably been the most consistent, the more consistent side uh, comparing them to the offense of the Saints uh, over the first six weeks. You know, that defense has been rough and tumble. They've shut teams down like Dallas and uh, in, in some head-to-head matchups there. And they uh, seem to be a team that could match up pretty well with the Bears in that way. Uh, you know, given that uh, the Bears are going to be welcoming back uh, their their own uh, injured quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, you know, we you know we always assign a certain importance to his performance. Uh, you know, what do you think about the opportunities for him this week to, uh, you know, maybe you know challenge the the preconceived notions, or you know, at least you know settle himself back into where, you know, I, you know we're after what we've seen with. The backup Chase Daniel. I, there's nobody calling for Mitch's job at the moment because we know that Daniel isn't the guy. But you know, Mitch still has a lot to prove. And you know, what do you think the chances are him uh, are of him maybe you know getting back in our good graces a little bit more this week? Well, the chances uh, break down in two separate ways to me. First of all. I think we know that the way the Bears offense had been running the first few weeks, that it's probably not going to, it's not conducive to what Mitch really does well, and it's not conducive to what this offensive line can do well. And I hope over this bye week they've done enough self-scouting to really figure out parts of their offense that work and how they can maybe supplement those parts or those plays with other plays and other things that maybe they haven't been doing as much so that it just overall works as a more efficient machine, even if it's not going to be this out-of-world offense, this modern uh, NFL attack. I mean, there's still going to be a lot of people in the offseason, I think, no matter what, looking at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace thinking – okay, this offense really has to start taking a step here, guys. I mean, this is what this team is supposed to be built around. That's why you brought in this coach. That's why you traded up for this quarterback. Something has to change here. But in the short term, now after the bye week, does Matt Nagy and his offensive coaches change things around so that the game plan maybe reflects more of what Mitch is doing and perhaps Mitch's limitations, as well as the fact that they have this defense and they invested in a running back in this draft and have another really good running back in Tariq Cohen behind David Montgomery. So can they get a more efficient offensive attack going? And then that leads to the other part. Can Mitch actually execute? And that's really, I think, the thing, Kyle. If he's going to get in our good graces, 
I think the big thing we're going to be saying after Sunday is he executed the game plan and maybe made a few plays downfield. But for the most part, I think where we're going to start giving praise to Mitch, if we're going to give him praise, it's going to be about his execution of the game plan. And hopefully it's a game plan that reflects what should have been done from the start of the season, which is more conducive to the talent that they have and to what they've shown. Mitch hasn't shown the ability to just break down a team's defense with his arm. So there's no reason why they should run an offense like that. You need to run an offense that complements the players that you have and the quarterback that you have. And then from there, can Mitch execute that? Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the fact that the Bears, of course, had an off week, a bye week, and, you know, that can give more, provide more time for self-examination. You know, let's dig in a little deeper with that. What what do you think that could actually mean for the Bears in regards to the the offense and Mitch in particular? Do you? I wonder, like, do you think are are they going to allow? Do you think it may lead to more of a a longer rope with Mitch as far as uh you know letting him do a little bit more, or, is, or are they still going to be stuck on trying to get him to see certain things out of him? You know, with uh, in regards to the rudimentary elements of the offense, you no, know, is there a chance that we may see more of a wide open offense this week than we saw in the weeks prior to the the bye? I don't necessarily think so. Maybe in certain aspects, I think for this bye week to be a positive thing with the self scouting and improving over this short amount of time, and obviously with the limitations that you have with improving your team once you're in the season. It's very hard to make an offensive line good all of a sudden if it's not playing very well. That's the very that's the very concerning thing about the Bears is can they even get this offensive line working? Because without that, nothing is going to be able to work. And you saw during the bye, let's move on from Kyle Long. We put him on injured reserve whether it was the fact that he wasn't playing well or just was way too injured, whatever it was, they saw that that was an area that they could at least improve upon. And now hopefully they have identified whether it's Ted Larson, whether it's Rashad Coward, whether it's Alex Bars, but one of those three guys is at least going to get the opening opportunity to, to man that spot. And depending on the play that you get from those guys, maybe the overall unit just works a little bit better, a little bit more efficient. And that also is going to be the case if the coaches call plays that are being run by this offensive line at a high level. You can't just expect the offensive line to start doing things that it hasn't done for the first five weeks well. You need to focus on what they do do well and how can we either supplement that with other plays that should work with that same kind of philosophical and schematic thinking or, you know, find something, a different style, a different philosophy that you, when you mix in the plays that work well, they work at better times in the game or something like that. But whatever the, whatever Matt Nagy comes up with in terms of the game plan and philosophical uh, schematic of this offense moving forward, I think we all agree that it's going to have to involve more of an emphasis on the run game or at least a more of a commitment to it because you see it across the league. There's a lot of teams that are beating teams with the run game, and you would think with a team that has a struggling quarterback, that would be a great route to try to help a, an elite defense. So, I, so we all kind of think that that's going to be the route, 
And then from there, I think the explosiveness either comes in play action or maybe moving Mitch around in the pocket, moving the pocket with rollouts, maybe giving him half-field reads so he doesn't have to go through every single progression. But what it should be uh, is just, uh, I don't know if we can define it as a longer rope, but what it should be is we have to start doing things that are winning football strategies, and then let's develop Mitch at a pace that works with the team. If he is good at throwing the ball downfield in rollouts, let's get him rolling out more. I think it's it's about establishing yourself, establishing a run game, establishing a pass game. And then from there, you can start opening things up more. But right now, they just don't have anything even established in terms of any kind of offensive identity. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Ryan. And, you know, looking at New Orleans and, you know, like we said, their defense has been pretty stout. But uh, there hasn't been – there's not like a, a big star on their play, a big star that comes out of their defense, nor is there really like a unit of the of their defense that people can really point to and say, oh, that's like, you know, that's an elite level. But they seem to play pretty well as as a com- as a combined group. You know, what what are your thoughts on the the matchup that we're going to see from that defense overall? What type of challenges could they provide in uh, the Bears trying to do those things and establish themselves, uh, like you just said? Well, I would disagree with you just a little bit on a couple players. The only two that come to mind with the Saints are Cameron Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore. Now, Lattimore isn't having quite as great of a season as he's had since his rookie year a couple years ago, but he's still playing at a pretty high level, and he's going to be a big part of this game because if he can shut down Allen Robinson, I mean, let's face it, that's about the only player that has played elite-level type play on offense. It's just Allen Robinson. That's been it. So that would be a huge blow if he's able to take away, if Marshawn Lattimore is able to take away Allen Robinson. And then the other guy, Cameron Jordan, as I mentioned, he might not be Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, but he is just right behind them. I mean, he is a game wrecker at that defensive line position. And sort of like the Bears, they just have a lot of solid pieces and solid depth all around the football team, except for those couple guys I mentioned. Maybe they have a couple other guys that flirt with star status, but Cameron Jordan's play at the defensive line is what helps make that entire defensive line in front seven go. And Marshawn Lattimore's play in that secondary is what helps that back seven or back four go, depending on the coverage. So Cameron Jordan coming into this game, he can do it with speed and he can do it with power. And if he's going to go up against a guy like Charles Leto, who leads the league in penalties, and a lot of them have been holding, and he already traditionally has struggled with fast pass rushers, it, it could be a real problem potentially for the Bears uh, this Sunday. So uh, those two guys could be big-time wreckers if the Bears don't find a way to either get other people involved or slow those guys down enough. Okay, I'll give you that one. Well, you I did. I did uh, sleep a little bit on Lattimore and Jordan. Uh, Jordan in particular, but like you said, Lattimore he he did come off as a flash a couple of years ago. But I think he's sort of for, you know, like you say, he's falling back a little bit. But those are two. Those are two. You know, all pro caliber dudes. And like you know, like you said, overall the defense 
they they play they play really well as a unit and they've they've become much more of a uh consistent part of New Orleans success in these last couple of years where you know Drew Brees has you know become he's becoming older he's showing more of his age so it makes more sense that their defense has become more of a uh, of an important part of uh New Orleans success so yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see uh in particular that one-on-one matchup like you said with uh Lattimore and uh A-Rob you know hopefully you know Robinson can make some plays you know because I think the Bears offense is at its best when he's of uh, you know forcing you know where he's punishing uh, uh defenses that try to guard him one on one, but uh, you know, and Kyle, good. one other thing I would just kind of throw in there about the Saints and their defense, they've enjoyed a lot of continuity uh, on that side of the ball, and uh, the coordinator, his name has escaped me right this second. I have it in just a moment, but uh, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen has been there for quite a while, I believe, since he was fired from the Raiders, which was a long time ago. So they have had the same philosophy, the same defensive coordinator, and when you have that continuity, that also helps a lot of players that maybe aren't great be a little bit better because the the defensive system is in place. I'm I'm guessing he, he probably replaced Greg Williams uh, yes, I yeah. believe so. I yeah, believe so. after Sean Payton came back or as soon as he let Greg Williams go. Yeah, so that was a time when, when that team was almost, you know, they were sort of on the breach there. And, you know, they were dealing with a lot of controversy and everything. But, you know, uh, definitely got to give it up to Dennis Allen for sh- helping straighten out things there. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's meant a lot for that franchise. They've been able to keep stable and, uh, still remain a contender in the NFC. But, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, I was just going to throw on, uh, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, let's, let's sort of switch things up, turn the tables a bit, and look at the Bears' defense against uh, the offense for uh, New Orleans. And I think we with, the, with New Orleans, like we said already, you know, Breeze is not going to be a factor. We sort of teased the possibility of him maybe coming back uh, with some talk that we had in the All Thirty Two podcast, but you know that's that's not going to happen. Uh, it's been you know definitely reports have backed that up in the time since. But you know, Teddy Bridgewater's done a fine job uh, in, in in as his replacement, and it, that's I think he's mostly done a fine job because Alvin Kamara has been producing alongside him has been giving him a, a lot to work with coming out of the backfield. You know, Kamar is well known as one of the best two-way threats at running back in the league. But uh this week, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't practiced yet this week. He's dealing with injury and he uh may be a game time decision at best going into Sunday. So uh you know if that's the case, I would say that would be the biggest uh f- the biggest injury factor going into this game even bigger than the bears not having a keen Nicks, uh, as we uh we learned this week he's been put on IR and uh Hicks is going to be you know not available until the latter part of the season at at earliest but uh you know the bears still have a lot of lot to go with on defense uh Saints don't have too much more outside of Kamara on their offense. They do have 
uh, Thomas, the great receiver. But, you know, uh, looking at the defense versus offense matchup from N.O. to Chicago, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, what could be making a difference uh, on with those sides of the ball? Yeah, you know, the Hicks injury is obviously devastating, and the same can be said about uh, the Kamara injury if he's unable to go for the Saints. The one thing the Saints, I guess, have going for them is Sean Payton because they do have talent still. They have uh, some depth at running back and at the various other positions on offense like wide receiver and tight end. The only thing is, is you would think that there's a breaking point with the talent on the Bears defense that they could maybe find a way to take over and control this game in a sort of way that the Jaguars did on Sunday against uh, that offense. So it's kind of a a battle of of minds and wills a little bit. It's kind of how does Chuck Pagano and his defense rebound and can they get back to playing really strong, disciplined football? And if that's the case, I think they would have a pretty good chance against uh, Sean Payton in that offense. But, of course, Sean Payton, uh, there's a reason why he's going to be in Saint, in the Saints franchise for a long time. Uh, he just he knows how to coach winning football, and he's going to adjust accordingly with whatever players he has. Definitely, definitely. And um, it, looking at this, look at, I'm, I'm going to give a score a little later in the game for my prediction. But uh, you know what, I'm 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 expecting. You know, we we talked we talked a little bit about this in in all 32 this week. How, you know, for the Bears' offense, it may be important. It's, it's going to be important that they make themselves a team that can score 20 points, uh, you know, consistently, you know, per game. But I I don't I don't know if they'll even need 20 in this game because of you know. Like I said, the way that New Orleans has been playing, you know, without Breeze, they've been playing more of a ball control game, you know, more, you know, Bridgewater is not a guy who's going to, you know, just fling the ball at you all day. He's going to he's gonna keep the ball on the ground relatively so and, you know, try to do what he can to not turn over the ball. That's going to be a big component with him. If the Bears can – you know, if the you know whether they can or cannot force him to turn over the ball, I think I think the pacing of this game may be deliberate either way. And so I'm 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 kind of expecting the game where both teams fall short of twenty points actually. So what you know what would you would you be willing to agree with that or not? Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense, Kyle, because the Bears, I mean except for a handful of times they haven't scored in the 20s and they haven't really done so a lot even dating back to last year uh in the second half of the season and since with Teddy Bridgewater other than the games where they get some big lift whether it's a defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown the Saints aren't scoring in the 20s so yeah I, I think that's a pretty fair and accurate uh, thought because both of these teams, uh, I, I could see a thirteen to ten victory or one of those type games. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Maybe with a, a bye week, the Bears can get something going offensively, and who knows? Maybe Sean Payton has found something on the Bears defense that he can exploit. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at that right quick. Given you know one team has a bye week, one team doesn't. As a coaching matchup, what do you think? 
who you think has the upper hand? Nagy with that extra week or Peyton in general, you know, with just a regular week? Yeah, I, I think Peyton with his experience in terms of the X's and O's that their coaching would probably nudge past the Bears. Uh, the one thing that I could maybe see on the other side, though, is player morale. Uh, for the Saints, you know, it, it's about business as usual and take care of things. But the Bears have been sitting on a loss for basically two weeks. That feels like a month. I would think that the Bears players are a little bit more ready to go. And this being a home game with the the crowd, the uh, energy of the home crowd, that that should give them maybe a little bit of an advantage in terms of getting up for this game on Sunday. Yeah, we we should we should factor those things in as intangibles, and I think I think those that type of attitude is a real thing for the Bears. I think they do feed off, uh, feed well off of the energy of the of the crowd here in Chicago. And again, you know, I think we we talked about this prior to the uh, the game in London. And it was you know, sort of working off of what happened in Minnesota, with the Minnesota game. The Bears scoring early and playing with a lead, make, you know, makes a difference. And uh, if they don't do that, if they don't make an impact early in the first quarter and, and maybe hold a lead coming out of that first quarter, you know, look at what they did in London. They really did nothing in the first half. And even though they had a spectacular third quarter, it wasn't enough for them to carry into into the end of the game and allow them to do what they needed to do to take control and, and finish the game. They just went back to giving you no know, went back to a lot of the same issues that they had earlier. You know, with turn, uh, you know, uh, you know, not with uh, penalties and stuff like that, and you know, some uh, you know bad tackling and stuff, bad effort on defense, like you know. Yeah, the Bears don't have to worry about flying in at on a Friday this week, so they'll be they'll be dealing with the comforts of home. Hopefully, they won't be too comfortable, and uh, maybe they will be able to, I say, feed off the energy that the that the fans should be bringing in uh, Soldier Field and use that to really get off to a quick start. Because I think the quicker start, the better for the Bears as as currently constructed. Yeah, and, you know, you just want to see a complete game from the Bears. We haven't seen a lot of that at all this year. I don't know if we've even seen that once because even against Washington, they, you know, didn't put together full four quarters and they let Washington get back into that game. So it it would just be great to just see a full effort, maybe some offense all four quarters, maybe some really stout defense all four quarters or at least – not giving up a bunch of drive scoring drives to the saints. It would be great to see them, you know, maybe, you know, Eddie Jackson described this game as a statement game. It'd be great if they went out there and actually made a statement. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm we're going to talk about Eddie a bit. I have a new segment I want to throw out uh, that called headlines. And uh, Eddie Jackson figures into one of those headlines pretty prominently. But before we do that, uh, let's go to your spotlight, man. So we already talked a, a bit about a couple matchups. Are, are there any? Is there anything else that uh, you want to run under the spotlight as far as the matchup this week that you can uh, 
that you figure may be uh, in the difference making category? Well, I really think maybe the spotlight falls on Harry Heastam, but definitely that offensive line room. Uh, this is the most concerning thing right now, I think, about the Bears' situation as a team. Defensively, they're probably going to take a slight step back to a big step back, somewhere in that spectrum, with Akeem Hicks going down on injury for a while. It doesn't mean they'll be a bad defense. It doesn't mean they can't be an elite defense. It just means that there's probably going to be some type of regression because he was such a great player, even if it's just the fact your rotation isn't quite the same afterwards. And then you look at on the offensive side, we know that there's problems with Trubisky and throwing the ball downfield, but there's a lot of teams that are winning a lot of football games not throwing the ball downfield. So that's not necessarily a prerequisite. We think that that is going to be the difference, though, of a playoff team and a Super Bowl team, but we don't have to talk about the Super Bowl right now. We have to talk about them at least being a playoff team. So that offensive line has to find a way to – Even though I said earlier, you can't just turn everything 100% around, but whether it's through the coaching, through the scheme, through a different player at right guard that gives a little bit of a boost that makes the entire chorus line work a little bit better, whatever it is, whatever is missing from that group so far this year, they have to find a way to at least be solid or adequate or at least not get absolutely dominated by any old defensive line that comes into town. They have to be one of the better parts of the offense. Otherwise, this offense probably doesn't have a chance of improving. And for me, if you're not going to be a team that scores at least between 20 and 25 points, which really, that's not a lot. That's not going to set the league on fire. No one's talking about a renaissance at offense if they're just at 20 to 25. But that would be such a difference with this defense. And they'd be 5-0 and right now with that. Yeah, definitely. And you, you talk about the thing, you know, they're not a run-of-the-mill, you know, defense. So, you know, you, you don't want a run-of-the-mill performance for the offensive line. Everything starts from there. And, uh, you know, to Bears, we, we you know, they've been, from all of us who've been watching the team week in and week out, we know we haven't seen enough push, you know, uh, push forward with, the, with this line. They haven't been providing opportunities for for playmaking coming out of the backfield. You know, there's been some grumbling about David Montgomery's abilities. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with the with the space that he's been given on on the plays where he's been given the ball. And uh, you know, of course Mitch, a lot has been made with Mitch and, you know, I think, you know, Mitch, you have to look at the type of pockets that are being made for him when he's uh, dropping back, and mm-hmm. you know what type, of, uh, a bit, what type of time does he have to let plays develop and seek out the uh, the reads that he wants to that he's looking to see when he's uh, dropping back and and trying to make those throws downfield that we you know so desperately want him to see wants him to make. You know, it's it's a lot that's involved in making a, an offense function at, at a professional level. And one of the most important things definitely is the line, the offensive line being as one and, uh, you know, being dependable and reliable. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about David Montgomery, Mitchell Trubisky. 
I wonder if we maybe have a different conversation if that offensive line's playing well. You know, I don't think Mitch is going to be a star quarterback, but maybe they do start hitting some throws downfield and maybe some things do start opening up. And certainly in the case of David Montgomery, I don't remember too many times where he hasn't been hit almost immediately after he gets the handoff. And you would think with a guy that we've seen some of the skills that he's displayed, if he learns the position and learns the scheme and can really start hitting where he should be going more consistently and that offensive line can create even just a little bit more space and get a guy or two up to the second level so that he has a chance to spring. I mean, those little things could just make such a huge ripple effect difference for this over for the offense overall. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, definitely advise you fans out there to watch for that type of stuff going on. Uh, you know, this Sunday, if, if we see more, you know, ex- explosive plays coming out of the backfield, that's a good sign. You know, if, if Mitch, uh, you know, if he's like he's dropping back in, uh, you know, he's a lot of in a lot of ways when when he, you could tell pretty easily when Mitch feels comfortable and when he feels confident. So, uh, you know. That's definitely the type of stuff, you know, as far as his feet work and everything. And uh, you know, this, you know, we just gotta, we just gotta see the Bears moving more with, uh, you know, more ferocity and more, uh, you know, moving with more of an effort uh, than than we would like to see, especially coming out of that uh, Oakland game. If, if they don't, like I said, if if they're playing much like they did in that first half in London, and it's going to be a long day. But if they play more like they did in the first half uh, against, uh, you know, again, yeah, against definitely probably the Washington first half would probably be the best example of what they could do. But, uh, you know, also I think the, the Minnesota first half was pretty instructive too. Uh, you know, at least when Daniel first came in and was, you know, uh, rallying the offense you know, in his first few drives. So they you know, we know what we know what it's like art, you know, the definition of art. We know what's what's good bears uh, offense when we see it. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a little bit of that exhibited at least uh this week. You know, enough to keep you know, not only keep them in the game but keep them in control. Yeah, and they, uh, like I said earlier, they really have to win this game. You've been sitting on a loss for two weeks. There should be no excuse for not coming out strong and wanting to punch someone in the mouth. There should be a lot of physicality. There should be a lot of energy early. The fans are going to be definitely energetic. They know how big of a game this is, and certainly they want to be a part of a victory, and you're right back into the thick of things, and all the good times come again. So, There really is no excuse whatsoever. Plus, with the bye week and preparation, I mean, they should be ready to go. And we know that sometimes with those bye weeks, it it just can be weird. Maybe they start off slow. But, uh, you know, there's a difference between starting off slow where maybe you just fall a few points behind and it's really close and you can take off at half. And there's another falling down 17-0. So they got to make sure that if it is slow, it's more towards the end of – Maybe you're down a touchdown or so at half. Yeah, definitely don't want to see no rust coming out. They should be fresh. And, you know, uh, you know, they should they should be ready to make an impact right away. But uh, yeah, that's uh, 
that's pretty much it for our, our breaking our, our, our breaking down of the game and the, and the team and the matchup this week. You know, as we get uh, close to the end here of uh, our latest Bear Necessities, I want to throw out this new segment called Headlines, sort of uh, this look at some of the writing that's being done, other coverage that's being done from the team, on the team, I should say, uh, elsewhere, and, you know, sort of open up our conversation that we're having and uh, look at some other points that are being made uh, from people who are following the Bears. And I think one, one thing in particular that jumped out at me when I looked at coverage of the team this week, uh, you know, you mentioned Eddie Jackson, uh, Ryan Phelan, uh, you know, one to make an impact this week. And, you know, I guess speaking in a team context, but this uh, Rich Campbell story in the Tribune, uh, you know, it, it, it gives it all the way in, in, the, in the headline here how, you know, Eddie should be trying to make a personal impact as well. Uh, the headline goes, how Eddie Jackson's hunt for his first interception validates his all-pro resume and challenges the Bears' free safety. So uh, as you get from that headline, uh, that's from the October 17th uh, Tribune, you know, uh, today's Tribune, I should say. Uh, you know, Eddie hasn't made a play, big play really this year. He hasn't made an interception. And, uh, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty jarring to think about given – how much he established himself as a ball hawker last year. So, uh, you know, what do you think about that, Ryan? And, and, you know, how close do you think we are to Eddie, you know, making a breakout again this year? You know, and, and what do you think has sort of held him back so far? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that question because a part of it could be schematically. Maybe teams are going away from Eddie Jackson, maybe they're going to Clinton Dix's side because they don't want any part of, I don't know, let's say Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson being lined up on the same side of the field or something like that. Uh, We know that Eddie is not a great tackler, so he's probably not going to make much of an impact if it's not intercepting the ball or playing really tight coverage on guys. I mean, he can definitely come up and make tackles. It's not that he's incapable of that. It's just not his strong suit. And there's plenty of times where we see him miss a tackle and it gives up a sizable gain, but normally the defense is able to, to weather any kind of mishap uh, when it comes to tackling from their secondary. It just, because obviously the secondary makes a lot of plays for Eddie. I would think that he's going to make some plays for sure. And, you hear about turnovers and takeaways talked a lot as coming in bunches. A lot of players describe it like that, and I wonder if maybe that's what's kind of going on. He's had a lot over two years. Maybe he's going to go on a little bit of a drought, and then they'll kind of come back again because uh, he's not like an Aaron Donald or a Khalil Mack where you know he's going towards the player with the ball and you know you could swat it away. He's got to be at the right spot at the right time, and part of that is his instincts and his technique. Uh, The other part of it is, you know, maybe teams have figured out a little bit something about Eddie and his timing and how he gets there, maybe some things they can take advantage. Maybe there's a tell where quarterbacks are more, you know, aware of where he's at on the field and not going to even test throwing it towards Eddie Jackson. And I know in that Denver game against Joe Flacco, he did have a shot at one, but he didn't quite catch it. It was on a ball that was thrown kind of inside when the receiver was going outside. 
on his like curl leverage basically. And Eddie came down and almost had a play on that. So it's not that he hasn't been able to make any type of plays or he hasn't been involved. So I, I think they're coming, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a, a matter of almost like baseball where a guy's really hot for a while and then he's got to be really cold for a while and then he'll kind of get hot again and over out overall over the course of the season, you think how it averages out. That's pretty good overall as a player. Yeah, the reporting, uh, Campbell's reporting backs that up pretty well, what you just said, Ryan. Uh, you know, he quotes uh, the secondary coach, the Shea Townsend, uh, as saying a lot of times quarterbacks see him in the middle. They're probably not trying things they would try in other situations. That's a credit to what his body of work has been so far. And, uh, you know, they go on, you know, Campbell goes on the right, that, that body of work, including three defensive touchdowns in his first two seasons, eight interceptions and five fumble recoveries. He's no longer the upstart fourth-round pick out of Alabama, Campbell writes. In his third season, he's established ball hawk that offenses are aware of. So, yeah, you definitely got to figure that offenses figure, you know, with where they figure a lot into where uh, Eddie's going to be on the field. In, in, in their uh, in their scouting reports and everything, and you know, you know why? Like I say, why give? Why allow a player like him to make the impact that he that you know he can make? You know, you don't want to give it up to him that easy, and that may lead to uh, you know other players getting getting a, being able to eat some, much like uh, Ha Ha did in that in that Washington game, for instance. So uh, you know, you know, definitely you got to figure that you know. Uh, Fast Eddie is, is just too talented to, uh, you know, keep the ball out of his hand at some point. At some point, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, an errant throw or deflection or something, you know, he, he's going to put himself in a position or you know, fumble recovery to, uh, you know, he's going to put himself in a position soon to make a big impact in the game. Yeah, and I think it's it's sort of if we remember back to when Ed Reed played and we're kind of hoping Eddie Jackson becomes – something like Ed Reed, uh, that's hopefully his ceiling. And that's certainly the type of praise he's been getting, even from Ed Reed himself when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, Reed didn't have an interception every game. There was many games where he went without making a touchdown or an interception. But when you look at the totality of a season or the totality of a career, and those numbers are just way higher than everybody else, it just shows that eventually Eddie's going to have a special game where he's going to force a couple turnovers and probably do that a couple times throughout the season. And if he just continues to do that on top of what he's done the previous years, he's perfectly in line with what you want him to be and certainly makes him a, a big-time contributor And when you know that you can count on him to be sort of a takeaway uh, a, a takeaway assassin, if you will, every single year, even if it only comes in a few bunches. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, a second, I'm gonna throw out a second uh, headline here. I probably typically will do only two or three of these, but uh, this one I want to jump to uh, the Windy City site, fan side, uh, the, the Chicago-based site. Uh, the writer Ryan Heckman has a post uh, came out about a week ago called uh, said uh, five players on the trade block to consider buying 
of course, uh, you know, we're getting close to the trade deadline in the NFL, and in recent years, it's become much more of an Im- impactful thing. It, you know, in the past, it, it really was a dry period. You know, you, you got little to nothing of impact in regards to the, the switching of players, and, you know. But, uh, you know, then more NFL teams are more aware of what they need to do in, in the middle of the season, and they're more willing to act on certain things. And more players are sort of forcing their hand, forcing their team's hands in regards to uh, making deals and stuff like that. Is you know what was a large part what got us the Jalen Ramsey trade this week to uh, from Jacksonville to the L.A. Rams. And uh, we, when you're a team that's in contention. Of course, you're gonna get a bit of a uh, you know uh, you know talk from the gallery, the online gallery about uh, you know what they can do to improve themselves. And the Bears are a team that, you know, it seems pretty obvious in certain ways what you what we can do to what what can be done to improve the Bears. You know, Heckman sort of takes that on with mentioning mentioning these this group of players that the Bears can maybe take a risk on. And among them he mentions uh Joe Looney, a uh, guard slash center for the uh, Cowboys. Uh, he mentioned Tyler Eifert, the tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, to that end, I just saw a post today about O.J. Howard uh, uh, on the market as well as being someone that the Bears may look at. And then this a lot of this extends to 2020 as well, uh, the, the, the free agency uh, group and uh, everything that's going to occur in the, in the coming spring. But, you know, uh, in this particular post, you know, uh, they are the fan side of writer is is talking about trades that can be that could occur in this season. He also mentions Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman for the Jets, and uh, Nate Sutfield, the quarterback of the third string, I think, for the Eagles. So uh, you know, he's just throwing some stuff out there, definitely. But uh, in 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 your in your mind, uh, of course, and, and the last play he mentions is definitely outside, uh, definitely a, a Hail Mary, but uh, Trent Williams, the uh, much publicized uh, left tackle for Washington, who has not played a down for Washington this year and doesn't, and swears not to play another down for them, uh, you know, as long as he's on that roster. So, uh, you know, definitely, definitely some stuff to kick the tires with on the on the blogosphere, but uh, it, you know, Ryan, in, in your opinion, you know, I, I think, I think I could guess your answer. This, what do you think the odds are that the Bears make any type of move going into going through the trade deadline? And if they could make, if they did make a move, what type of move would you, you know, prefer them them making, or what type of player would you prefer them uh, targeting? Well. It's going to take probably a lot. I mean, you see how great it. I mean, Larry Tunsil is two first-round picks, and I get Kenny Stills was a part of that, but still, no pun intended. And you look at, uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney, a free agent, is a third-round pick. I mean, these are some high picks, at least, that teams are asking for players, and if they're any type of value – 
like uh, you mentioned, Trent Williams. I mean, he's got to be at least a first-round pick, I would think. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation is, and I know he's not necessarily a spring chicken, but that should be a guy that you could definitely sign for a long-term contract and have on your team for a while, and he is considered the best left tackle in the game. So what are some of these other guys going to cost? And then when you talk about maybe some of the the low-pick moves, like let's say – you know, one I heard about was what about Marcus Mariota, since he's definitely available and Ryan Pace loved him allegedly in that draft, that he was going to trade up big to go get him. You know, you could probably get him for a fourth or third round pick, something like that, something low, because you wouldn't need a lot. But the Bears already just don't have that many picks. And you just wonder if you're going to have to go back in for a quarterback, are you going to trade for a guy like Nate Sudfeld or – uh, Marcus Mariota, or are you going to have to go draft one? And if you have to draft there, it, tight end is a position that we're talking about that they could improve upon. If let's say OJ Howard was reasonable, which he wouldn't be, that's another position you got to address. And then you got to address offensive line because that's been a problem. And it's like suddenly you have a lot of issues you need to address and you don't have a lot of draft capital. And People will point, well, you can go buy that, but then you've got a lot of people you got to pay, like Eddie Jackson and some of the other guys that are coming up off contract. So it's a situation where I think the Bears have to be extremely, uh, you know, they have to do their homework and be very careful of what asset they're going after because of if the cost is very high, they don't, they're not a player or two away unless that player is a quarterback from being a Super Bowl team at this point in time. They have some issues. They have some things that they have to figure out when you talk about an offense that's bottom five right now in the league and a defense that is potentially great right now but might not be potentially great next year if there's roster turnover, if you're going to lose some of these ancillary pieces because you got to pay the top guys. Yeah, definitely. One guy who you you could maybe get, you could maybe imagine that the Bears may not have to buy so high on, and, and but uh, you know, this is a guy that Heckman actually uh wrote for Fansided today. Uh, three reasons the team must trade for Josh Rosen. Now Rosen, uh, you know, down there in Miami has had a rough time of it, just as he did in uh in uh, Arizona, and uh. Lost his uh, lost his starting spot as at the moment to uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He doesn't look to have much of a future there. You know, a, a lot of people probably ask, you know, why would the Bears want to take a risk on him? Rosen, uh, you know, Hickman in his post argues that Rosen hasn't really had a chance to work with a good team, which I would I would I would actually agree with that, and uh, work with a good team or a good system. And, uh, you know, another point that he makes is that, you know, competition breeds success. And, you know, I kind of – I would be kind of interested, given, you know, the other t- other players that we mentioned, like a Mariota or a Sudfield, you know, if at the end of this season, Mitch hasn't really put himself in the driver's seat. And he hasn't really engendered the type of confidence that, that the Bears fan base and the Bears franchise, more importantly, want, would want to see as a franchise guy, you know, maybe it would be make sense to bring in another young guy who can, uh, you know, put some fire under his heels 
and uh, you know, give a different look, you know, as as far as the talents and uh, the, what type of talent could uh, be could be there under center, and you know, what type of talent could do different things for Nagy, you know, Nagy's offense and Nagy's play call. You know, so what what, what do you think about that? One? Well, specifically with Josh Rosen, I wouldn't be too interested in him. And, and the only reason is because he just hasn't looked great as a pocket passer. And I know part of that is bad situations, young player, and maybe there's still upside. I certainly wouldn't discredit his possibility of being a really good player still potentially because it's way too early. But he just hasn't looked great and accurate as a pass passer, sort of in the way that we look at Mitch, where it's kind of like, yo, uh, you don't really look too accurate. I don't know if that's going to develop. How much of this is going to develop and how much of it is just the guy can't play the position. And with Rosen, he doesn't have that athleticism to do the RPO kind of stuff. It's going to be the only way he would succeed in the RPO is he just has an ability to diagnose defenses extremely quick and make the right decision like Nick Foles does in Jacksonville. But uh, certainly, you know, they have to look at a quarterback whether Mitch is great or not. And I think that's pretty obvious by what we've seen throughout the league too with the year of the backup quarterback, really how this has become. You saw the Saints lose Drew Brees early on the season. You think, dang, they'll be lucky to win a couple games with Teddy Bridgewater. And that wasn't necessarily shade on Teddy Bridgewater. You just thought that that was how significant Drew Brees is for that team. Same thing with Ben Roethlisberger where you thought – man, he goes down, they have no shot of really doing much of anything, and not that they've necessarily been a great team, but they've shown two quarterbacks that you know, might have some ability, or at least they're prepared enough to come out there and play with the big boys. You see Kyle Allen in Carolina with taking over for Cam Newton. I mean, it's all across the league, I feel like, in various spots. You have got to continuously find and look for quarterbacks because you just never know when you're going to be in a situation where a you might need more than one more than your starter and then you need another guy or b if you get to the point where you have a quarterback let's say mitch is kind of like jared goff where it's like he's been great he has great flashes he shows these great moments and then other time looks really bad well the rams paid a hundred million for that and do you want to pay that money for mitch you might have to if you don't have another quarterback in the wings and you've seen enough promise that you just don't let him go. So that's why don't put pressure on yourself as an organization to be uh, basically held down by one player. Find multiple guys, continue to re- to look at that position and replenish it and keep finding talent in there because it's the most important position. If you have a lot of talent there, you're doing a good thing. You said that very well, Ryan. I, I think it'll be disappointing uh, going into 2020 if, uh, if the quarterback situation is the same as it is now. Like, you know, we've seen enough of Chase, and you know, you know, we, you know, appreciate what Chase has did in the situations that he's been put in, but he's just not dynamic enough to really engender any type of, uh, you know with winning spirit, you know, to any type of, you know, uh, any type of thing going forward to where you could feel like, okay, you know, if, if Mitch if Mitch is completely in the trash, we can go with Daniel. You can't do that because, you know, for one, he's been in the league for 11 years and he's only started a handful of games. He's not a 
He's not a guy for the future. So if you put someone like, you know, whoever it is, a Rosen or Sudfield or even a Mariota, you know, somebody with more YouTube or maybe more ideally a you pick up someone in this in this coming draft, you know, uh, you know, you got to have someone who, who again can light light some fire under Mitch. Let Mitch show that show Mitch in in part that you know this job is not beholden to him and that he's going to have to earn it you know once and for all. And uh, you know, and and even if it's a guy who doesn't necessarily take the job from Mitch within the next year. It could at least be a person who can show some promise if Mitch gets himself injured again, or if the you know if uh, anything else happens that has to put him in the, that put said young quarterback uh, in that in that position where he's got to take take control of things. Sure, and I mean just look at Mitch, including this year, is not going to play 16 games in a season yet. He has yet to do that, so. Certainly yeah. going into an offseason, looking at your quarterback position, I would think, hey, let's improve that because if Mitch goes down for any type of time, we got to be able to compete. Definitely, definitely. All right. So it's, it's been another good week here. Bear necessities. Enjoying myself here with, with Ryan, man. And, uh, you know, just right quick before we go, I'm going to throw out, uh, throw out that, uh, that spread analysis like I like I struck like I usually do. Uh, I think I, I said it before the Bears. Three and a half uh points they're being given at home. A pretty typical line for for a home team coming off a bye. Uh at least one who is playing a team that they know is that you know most would say is better than them. Uh you know if, if the Bear I guess if the Bears were the better team, like if the Bears were five and one they probably be getting more, more something more closer to a touchdown actually, but because you know uh, the Saints have more, more momentum coming into this game, they they're getting that field goal. They're, they're getting more the general kindness there, plus a point, plus a half a point to make things a little bit more interesting. I would say, uh, I would actually go with the Saints on this, and. I'm, I'm gonna give that score like I like I said earlier too. I think my final score for this game, I, like I said, both neither team will reach 20. I'm looking at a 17-15 score here, and I'm looking at the Bears win, but they will not cover that uh, three and a half if it stays. So uh, don't go with that three and a half. If it goes down to three, maybe give that a little bit more three even. If you if you have a three even line. Maybe give that more of a thought, but uh, I like I like a real close contest here, closer than close. Maybe uh, a late <laughs> a late uh, Pinero kick. You know he becomes a hero once again. Uh, and the Bears, you know that fifteen. I'm liking I, I like uh, I'm liking the uh, I'm foreseeing an effort where the Bears maybe you know do like a uh, hold them to like nine. Like like three field goals, hold the Saints like three field goals, and they have like a missed PAT or a missed two point conversion, so that'll get them that fifteen. But uh, you know, in the end, the the Bears you know rally with a with a late Pinero kick and uh, take a 15-14 game to a 
15 game in their advantage and uh, roll out with the four and two record that way. So that's 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 me uh, opening up the crystal ball there. But uh, in in general, like I said, with the line three and a half, not a not so good look. I I think with the Bears on this one, you know, uh, go with the Saints if it's if you got that line at that level or above. Yeah, I like uh, I like that line, Kyle. This does set up to be uh, almost like that Jags Saints game, doesn't it? Where it's just like it could be just yeah. maybe a couple touchdowns for e- or touchdown each for each side and a few field goals. Yeah, that's what I was thinking a lot about because you're looking at similar teams, like you know, like you uh, you you may mention it that earlier the bit uh, the Saints being a team that doesn't. Uh, relies on, that can rely a lot more on the defense than they would like, at least with Bridgewater at the helm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, the Jaguars have definitely been that team, uh, you know, with a with a shaky quarterback, young shaky young quarterback, and a defense that uh, has to make its mark in most cases for them to be competitive and to win games. But, uh, yeah, I think this game, too, uh, the weather might not be much of an issue, so we may get they they may be able to run a little bit up and down towards the field, but I think the the talents on both sides of the defense will do more to contain each side and uh, set the tone. So, uh, it, and if Kamara is out for the uh, Saints, that's definitely going to take a hit to their uh, you know their veracity on offense. So definitely look for a slow a, a low scoring game. But a close Bears win. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm sure everybody would take that. I certainly would. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, that's it, man. Hope you uh hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh we definitely enjoyed putting it together. And uh yeah, we'll be back next week for an all new all thirty two and uh definitely another bear necessities later in the week. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for now, man. Ryan, uh, got anything else you want to throw out? No, I, I think we covered a, a lot of this game. I, it's just really going to come down to kind of what you got, Matt Nagy, you know, and this coaching staff and this team. You've, you've really challenged yourself to put a big roadblock in front of you by losing that game in London and really being lifeless for most of the first five weeks, even though you have three wins. So, can this team uh, get back to that swagger from last year? Yeah, definitely. A lot to be answered coming up this weekend, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of puts a lot of puts us right back in the mix of things uh, as we come out of this bye. And the, the Bears uh, definitely want to win if they want to show themselves to be competitive right now in the in the NFC. Makes uh, a chances right there ahead of them. Let's see what they make. Of all right, so uh, chances uh, chances are for you to uh, listen to this podcast as well going forward. So we hope you stay with us for the rest of the season. Like we, like I said at the top, no more off weeks. We're bringing it to you hardcore every week, uh, breaking down and uh, previewing each Bears game. So uh, you know, shout us out if you if you like what we're doing. Uh, WeAreRegalRadio.com at Regal Radio 1 on Twitter. Uh, we are Regal Radio on IG. And uh, you can search 
Regal Radio or Facebook. Those are the main ways to uh, access our content. And uh, Ryan B. Art, Ryan B. Ski on Twitter. Uh, definitely check him out, and uh, you know, give him a give him a shout if you like what he's doing. And he's definitely writing out great stuff for us every week on the site. And uh, you know. Yeah, just uh, just keep up with us, man. We got a lot more coming for you this fall. Uh, a lot of basketball stuff coming up too. Watch out for that coming up as that uh, NBA season kicks off this week, so, uh, this coming week, I should say. So uh, look out for a lot more NBA content on We Are Eagle Radio and uh, War as well. But uh, in the meantime, hope you enjoy your football this weekend, and definitely bear down. With your man here, Kyle Means, Ryan Bukovetsky. All right, we'll talk to you later.